Um, well, it's good to be with you again. Uh, and uh, we've, we've noted that we're fewer in number, but uh, the reality is that God is present with his people wherever they are. God is present with us here, he's present with those who are unwell at home, and uh, those who are not with us for any other reason. And I, I'm really glad that, uh, in many ways, in our worship thus far, we have been sort of bridging the Old and the New Testament. Um, that, that idea of the glory of God coming down on the tabernacle, that idea of the, the glory of God coming down on the temple, and of course that last hymn we've just been singing, uh, sort of around Isaiah experiencing uh, the glory of God in the tabernacle. You know, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the, the threshold shook, and there was smoke. And Isaiah is overcome by this. And here is a mark of God's presence with his people throughout the ages. And of course, what we celebrate today, Pentecost Sunday, with the coming of the Spirit, is that sense of God being present with his people in a new way. So, let's just remind ourselves of uh, the, the, the circumstances around that uh, first Pentecost Sunday. Uh, you know that Jesus, of course, has said to his disciples, just wait in Jerusalem. You know, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, but wait in Jerusalem. Because before you go out there, you need this gift of the Father. So, there they are, waiting patiently in Jerusalem, and uh, they're gathered together on the day of Pentecost, and you know the story. The sound like a blowing of a violent wind from heaven filled the whole house. What seemed to be tongues of fire came and separated and sat on them uh, and they're filled with the Spirit and they, they start to praise God. And they find themselves praising God not simply in their own language but in the languages of people who have gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Uh, and they sort of pour out into the streets praising God uh, and the crowd is staggered by this. They're staggered by the fact that they hear this uh, bunch of Galileans, mostly, few Judeans maybe, praising God in their languages. And uh, their immediate conclusion is that uh, they're drunk. What else could explain such uh, behaviour? And then, and this is where we pick up the story uh, with our reading this morning, then, uh, Acts chapter 2, and verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Well, that's not conclusive, I guess, but it's a bit early to have uh, been hitting the bottle too heavily. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders 
in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, (coughs) put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. If you want an overall title, this morning's talk it's something old something new Um, I couldn't quite fit in something borrowed and something blue but uh, (laughs) you know you've got something old uh, and something new and and, and we start by recognising that what happened here is the old meets the new Peter takes them straight back to this Old Testament prophecy of Joel and says you know this is something radically new and yet it's not This is part and parcel of what God has been doing right the way through history. What started when Adam and Eve first rebelled against God runs the way through the Old Testament. This promise that God is going to redeem his people, God is going to restore his creation, God is going to draw people to himself. The promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 uh, 1-3 that uh, through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed the frequent promises of the prophets that God is going to do something new uh, we were singing earlier on about bringing beauty out of ashes and this is part of the promise that comes with the prophets that God is going to renew all things and restore his people you know we, we can't escape the fact that we live right now in a messy and confused and broken world it becomes more and more evident. Uh, not only have we uh, been struggling with COVID for the last uh, two and a bit years, um, we still struggle with it, uh, as is evident from some of the things we've been hearing this morning. Uh, we're looking at war in Ukraine. And yet, war has been sort of rumbling on around the world for just about ever. But we look at the world, and it's in something of a mess. And yet, God's promise is that all this will be restored. And when Peter picks up Joel's prophecy, what he's saying is, look, you know, this is part and parcel of what God has always been doing. Yes, it's new. Yes, it's different. But it's not out of shape with what's been happening before. It's part and parcel of God's overall plan. And I think we we, we need to hold on to the fact that Joel's not the only place where we get this promise of the outpouring of the the, the Spirit in in the Old Testament. There are other places where we uh, get uh, clear indications that God is going to do something which is new, but is also in continuity. Uh, Isaiah 44 and verse 3, for instance, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, 
I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I just happened to turn on my computer this morning, primarily so I could print out uh, my notes for, for this morning. Uh, but I, I noticed as I just checked out what had happened in the world overnight, not a great deal as it happens, um, other than the, the Queen sharing a marmalade sandwich with Paddington, which seems to have hit the headlines in, in most papers, with interesting puns like uh, marmalade. Oh, anyway. Uh, but I noticed uh, that uh, one of the main reservoirs that feeds California is in real danger of drying up. Uh, and there's real concern because um, California uses an awful lot of water one way or another uh, but here is Isaiah promising with the thirsty ground the dry ground and, and those of us who are gardeners here will have welcomed some of this rain because uh, the ground has been pretty dry I have to go down to my allotment every day and water it which is uh, something I could willingly avoid but here Isaiah promised that dry land and God will just pour water on it and that's just what happens when the spirit comes dry ground dry people are refreshed and renewed and uh, restored or uh, Ezekiel who uh, has quite a bit to say about the spirit uh, one way or another but um, in Ezekiel uh, 36 um, verse uh, 26 he says I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws so the coming of the spirit has always been part of what God was doing and just as an aside I think we need to be very careful sometimes we sort of forget the fact that as Gentile Christians we have been grafted in to the tree of God's Old Testament people, the Jews uh, we sometimes talk about this as the birthday of the church and I know what we mean but I've had an interchange of uh, messages on a, a blog this week with a, a friend of mine who writes the blog who happens to be a professor of New Testament studies about this use of the birthday of the church and we came to the conclusion that actually it implies too much of a break we are living as people of the spirit as followers of Jesus still in continuity with what God was doing in the Old Testament so the old meets the new but then we have this outpouring of the spirit and I, and I think the, the pour out is significant because this pouring out speaks of generosity it speaks of a God who doesn't hold back it speaks of a God who doesn't give things by halves and one of the other failings I have is that I sometimes forget to switch off my phone which has just pinged, I think, to tell me that the yellow warning of thunderstorms has been cancelled. You'll be pleased to know that. Um, but it speaks of generosity. God doesn't do things by halves. We can sometimes get the impression that what we have to do is to, to sort of, we have to screw blessings out of God. 
No, no, we don't. God is just longing to, to, to bless his people and to pour out good things on us. Um, Jesus said as much in Luke 11 and chapter 13. If you, he says, well, no, let's read the whole thing. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, he gives without measure. How much more uh, will he give? And then we have all those promises of Jesus in John chapter 14 through to 16 of the coming of the Spirit, which pick up earlier words in John, John 3 and 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, Jesus, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Without limit. And so that's what's happening here on this first day of Pentecost. The Spirit is being poured out without limit in, in, in generosity. And, and Acts and the later letters are just full of different terms for the coming of the Spirit. Here we have being poured out, which speaks so much about that, that generosity and that limitlessness but we also, we receive the Spirit, we're baptised in the Spirit, uh, we are filled with the Spirit, and all these terms just convey something a little bit different about the coming of the Spirit. Receive. You know, we have to be people who are receptive, filled. It's not just that there's a little bit of the Spirit in this, but we're filled with the Spirit. Uh, we could go on. But let's hold on to this, that when God comes to us as his people, when he sends his spirit on us as his people, he doesn't do it by halves. And uh, we just need to recognise that our God, as we've been singing, is a good God and a great God. And he's a God who loves to do good things for his people. Well, that's the first thing about the outpouring of the spirit. The second thing about the outpouring of the spirit is that it's inclusive. And of course, one needs to be uh, enormously careful these days about the meaning use of the word inclusive because it, it just conveys so many different things. But in the best sense of the word inclusive, the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ and the blessing of God is inclusive. So you see what happens here. I pour my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters, young men, old men, uh, servants, both men and women. And of course, all those different groups of nationalities have heard God speaking in their own language. So, here everyone is drawn in together. Young and old, male and female, uh, rich and poor, powerful and powerless, whatever one's nationality, all are drawn in together. The one thing that is not yet completely evident, but will become evident, uh, particularly when we hit Acts 10, is that it's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles as well. Which is great news for us, quite frankly. You see, here we are, all of us, incorporated within this massive outpouring of God's Spirit. Previously in the Old Testament, we have the Holy Spirit coming 
in a range of ways. We've seen some of the prophecies, but you'll remember that um, the Spirit came on Bezalel and Aholiab and some of the craftspeople who constructed the uh, tabernacle. And I, I deliberately say craftspeople because uh, many of the women were involved in producing some of the hangings and things. It wasn't just a preserve of men back even then, but it was a limited number of people who uh, were, were blessed with the presence of God's Spirit in the Old Testament. Yes, they, they received, they moved in power, and they spoke through the Spirit, but it was a limited number. No longer is it a limited number. The Spirit is for each one of us and for all of God's people, irrespective of... Uh, our own uh, hang-ups, personalities, backgrounds, whatever. So all of us are here to receive. And all of us are here to, to, to bring something. Because the third thing that we need to say about this outpouring of the Spirit is that it, it's about service. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. And Jesus, of course, had said, wait in Jerusalem, because you're going to be my witnesses and you need to receive the Spirit first. So the, the Spirit comes on us to equip us to be the servants of God. And so these people, irrespective of who they are, each one of them will have something to do. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I like that. I, many, many years ago um, I probably shouldn't go into too much detail here but I, I'll, I'll tell you the story anyway but many, many years ago uh, a group of us in the Baptist churches in Chelmsford were meeting together because all of us were considering plans for the future and we, we thought we should coordinate them and I was much, much younger at the time and I was very unwise, no doubt, and all that. But, but I said, look, you know, if, we, if we're considering developing all these things, why don't we develop each of these four churches in slightly different ways? So, so one can major on this sort of ministry and one can major on that sort of ministry. Uh, and, um, and there was a, an, an older man there who said, well, he said, that's a very fine idea. But he said, young men dream, or oh, no, young men see visions. And I thought, oh yeah, well let's put me down and put me in my place. Um, I still think it wasn't a totally bad idea, but there you go. But everyone here catches something of what God is saying. Everyone hears from God, and everyone can bring something from God. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I think it's important that in, we have opportunities, as we did this morning, within our worship for participation. For people to pray, to lead us, to hear from God, to bring God's word to us. It's not the preserve of people like me. Yeah, okay, some of us are specially called, some of us perhaps are specially gifted, but all of us can hear from God. And all of us can bring that word to other people. Of course, it, it, it needs care. But nevertheless, we need to understand that all of us our servants and all of us can hear. And, and what happens here is the Spirit <coughs> builds our relationship with the Father and the Son. There's some lovely language in, 
John, where Jesus talks about his relationship with the people, about uh, coming and, uh, and living with them. And he says, if you obey my commandments, my Father and I will come to you and we'll make our home with you. And that's the work of the Spirit. To build that sort of relationship. Uh, Paul tells us that by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. It's the Spirit there assuring us of the fact that we belong to God. And can I just throw in something here, which isn't in my script, but I, I was reflecting on it as we were worshipping earlier on. And I think it's important. I think it's important because many of us here are, are not as young as we used to be. Some of us thankfully are, but some of us are not. And I have had a number of conversations recently with older Christians. I had one with a lady in uh, Manor Lodge Care Home in uh, Chelmsford on Tuesday this week. We, we run a fortnightly service in there. Um, fascinating. It started when uh, two folk from our church moved in there and said after a few weeks, could we just have a little sort of Christian service uh, occasionally? And, and people said, yeah, okay. And when we started, um, there were probably about six of us met in the lounge. Pre-COVID, there would have been 50 of them meeting in the dining room. Now, it, it's, it, it's back to about 20 now post-COVID for all sorts of reasons. And the, enter- the entertainment manager in the home was, has been known to say, you know, this is the most popular thing we have in the home. What is the entertainment manager? I don't know. Anyway, we were in there on Tuesday and I was chatting to one of the ladies. Most of those who come have got some sort of Christian experience, but not all of them. And she clearly had. And she said, you know, one of the things I struggle with as I get older is that I really, I find it harder and harder to believe. And I've had that sort of conversation with a number of my peers and uh, people who are getting on a bit. And I just think we need to hold on to the fact that the Spirit brings assurance to us. And, and when those fears come, and for her it was, it was a fear of this process of dying. Now, we know that beyond death lies so much that is so good. And yet, there are fears associated with that. And there are fears associated with failing health. Let's remind ourselves that the Spirit comes to us. The Spirit brings assurance. The Spirit enables us to say, Abba, Father. Sometimes we just need a, that note of uh, encouragement. So, uh, the Spirit does so much else. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit makes us holy. The Spirit enables us to live for Jesus. The Spirit empowers us for witness. Uh, we could go on. Uh, now is not the time to do a complete uh, study on the Holy Spirit. But there is just one other thing that I want to cover off uh, as we close. We've spoken about um, the old meeting the new. We've spoken about uh, the outpouring of the Spirit. But I just want to to notice that uh, there is also here the offer of uh, salvation. Because at the end of Peter's sermon, having gone through much more, much more of the Old Testament and much more about the resurrection. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom our God will call. And here is Peter, right at the start, saying to them, you know what? Jesus crucified, Jesus risen, Jesus ascended, Jesus reigning. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. And so, we come to him. And we understand that because he is who he is, there is this offer of salvation for anyone who will respond. Now, we know this. This is familiar territory. But I think it's just worth reminding ourselves that on that day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out on the people of God, there was this sense of a salvation which reached out in new ways. The outpouring of the Spirit leads to an offer of salvation, an offer of a new relationship with God, which goes wider than anything previously. When Peter went back to Joel, part of what Joel was talking about there was the day of the Lord, which is a significant Old Testament concept. We don't have time to look at it this morning. But in sense, the day of the Lord was about the presence of God with his people. The outpouring of the Spirit, the offer of salvation, are about the presence of God with his people. That's the heart of it. That God is now with us in a new way. And because God, through the Spirit, is with us in a new way, we can serve more effectively. We can live more effectively. And we can know the encouragement of the Spirit coming alongside us supporting us, encouraging us. When we feel weak, when we have doubts, when we have fears, then we know that the Spirit is there with us. Paul, uh, Romans 8, you know, but we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit prays with groanings that can't be uttered. You know that sort of experience? Sometimes we struggle to know what we pray for. And yet, there, is the Spirit who lives in us. Pray. In us. And through us. So we live this new life, this new life, in the life of the Spirit. We are people on whom the Spirit has been poured out. And that brings so much blessing into our lives. Let's pray. Then we're going to have... um, uh, a song which will just enable us to, to, to reflect quietly and to make our own response to this. But Father, we thank you so much that uh, you didn't leave us alone. We thank you so much for the promise of Jesus that uh, we're not going to be orphans, but we've got the Spirit. That you've poured your Spirit into our lives without measure and without limit. And that because of that, we can know a new depth of relationship with you. Because of that, We can live in the way that you want us to live. Because of that, we can understand your truth. Because of that, we can serve you in ways that um, you call us to. So, Father, we thank you for the presence of your Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the comfort he brings, for the encouragement he brings, for the challenge he brings. Thank you so much.